Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Tristan. I'm so happy to welcome you guys to the Novus Podcast. This is a podcast that's going to change your life. I need you guys to watch all the way to the end. But first, hit that subscribe button, share this with a friend, like, and comment. Let's get into this. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 28 of the Novus Church Podcast, y'all. We're so excited that you've joined us today. Today, I have my friend, Pastor George, from The Crossing. And this man is an incredible pastor. He's been pastoring for over six years, right? About six years. And um, he has a gift that he is going to talk about today. Also, um, I believe the Lord is going to do something big. We were just praying before this. And I believe that God is going to use George today to show you something within you that you didn't know was there. So Lord, I just bless George and I'm excited to have you, man. Yeah, good to be here, bro. Good to be here. We're glad to have you. Um, so you have a message for us, man? I do. I do indeed. And uh, thank you, Tristan. It's a, it's really a beautiful thing that the Lord is doing, I think, in this hour in the body of Christ, especially with young leaders. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Lord is raising up. And, and I'm believing that God is going to draw young leaders uh, to this podcast, uh, specifically those who are being trained, those who are being stirred, that God is raising up for future leadership. And what's cool is as I've been in prayer, I've just been seeing mantles that the Lord is releasing to young leaders, young men and women um, who are really going to set the church up to not only have a culture of revival, but to be sustained in revival. Um, we must be militant about this in this hour, Tristan. And and uh, I'll even say of yourself, you're one of those people that I just see the Lord um, divinely orchestrating and connecting you uh, to your tribe and to your people. And um, we're just getting started right off the back with Holy Spirit fire. Come Let's Holy go. Spirit. Woo! Yes, God. I, just, I just pray people's spirit right now just start to stir up with what God is doing in this hour. You know, I heard somebody say to me yesterday that, you know, 2023, the number 23 is the number of death. And I just feel like the Lord is putting to death um, religion. He's putting to death all of the things that have hindered the church uh, when it comes to um, the move of the spirit. And that means putting to death uh, systems and practices and things that have just stifled the spirit of God in churches. And he is going to almost like removing Saul's and putting in David's in Jesus name, man. So I'm just, I'm just excited, bro, for what the Lord is doing. I'm excited to be here. Thank you, man. Um, We'll probably share on another video, how we got connected and just all the other things that unfolded with you in local church with that. Mm -hmm. Um, But a little bit about myself. Um, I've been in the Lord for about 12 years. Um, I had a radical conversion experience when I was 20 and uh, literally went from death to life. Um, I was in complete darkness. I didn't grow up a Christian, didn't grow up uh, going to church, um, was literally just living as evil and wicked as I could. And, you know, the Lord Jesus had mercy on me and encountered me um, in a way that just, you know, turned my life around. I mean, that's the only way I could put it is, you know, he turned my mess into a message. Um, he He blessed me and and he gave me a purpose. And that's really what unlocked my salvation um, is that I needed purpose um, in my life. And um, I had some very significant encounters that that followed my salvation. Um, even my salvation was sovereign. No one led me to the Lord. I didn't have anyone uh, share the gospel with me. I wasn't, again, wasn't going to church. It was just um, the Holy Spirit 
um, birthing kingdom in me. So um, I like to say that, and um, and I boast in that because I was not indoctrinated to believe that gifts weren't for today, the power of God wasn't for today. I was born in fire, and uh, and I and and fire begets fire. So um, that's just again just my heart and. Um, my my salvation and encounters led uh, led me into full time ministry and led me into um, a season of training and development. Uh, what I like to say, Tristan, is this: um, God deposits, we develop. Um, God deposits, and we develop. Meaning, um, if God's called you to be a prophet, um, you're not just going to wake up tomorrow and be a prophet. There's going to be a journey. There's going to be a process that the Lord begins to bring you to bring you through um, as you agree with him that that this is what he has on your life. And um, and that journey is different. You know, um, the journey from uh, what the wilderness to the promised land was was supposed to be. I think it was like two weeks or something like that. It shouldn't have been that long. I forget. It actually says exactly what it was supposed to be. It ended up being 40 years because of a lack of cooperation. So so your process of being raised up in a ministry gift, a leadership gift, is really going to be up to you. Um, so uh, in my training, I went to Bible college. Um, you know, I, I, am, I have a high value for biblical education. We're in the most biblically illiterate time in history. Um, at least in America. Um, I mean, people um, don't even have a point of reference uh, for the word of God. So um, I'm big on not only flowing in the Holy Spirit and, and being activated and, and walking in the spirit, but really um, being grounded in the word of God, knowing the word of God, rightly dividing the word of truth. Um, so, um, you know, went to Bible college, that's where, and did my undergrad in biblical studies, where I met my beautiful bride of five years, Nicole. Uh, we are in ministry together. Um, she is my first lady um, and uh, is my partner in ministry. And I'll just prophesy again that I just believe that God is really uh, breaking the curse of divorce um, from our generation, that a lot of uh, um, young believers who've experienced divorce in their families, those who are being married right now, I think are going to be some of the strongest and godliest marriages that we've seen in a long time. And um, I believe that for me and my bride as well. And uh, um, again, uh, ended up going to get my Master of Divinity um, at United Theological Seminary in Dayton, Ohio. This is a seminary that's connected with Global Awakening, or it was, um, with the Randy Clark Scholars. And, you know, they're one of the only accredited um, charismatic seminaries in our country right now. I mean, accredited. You can go to a lot of ministry schools and um, get you know, trained in the Holy Spirit and all of that, but they're not necessarily recognized by the Department of Education. So, um, you know, that's another story for another time, how I got led into all of that. Um, but yeah, so that's where I got my MDiv emphasis on um, renewal studies. And uh, like you shared, Tristan, I'm currently pastoring um, a church in historic Washington Crossing where God made history and turned the tide of the Revolutionary War, uh, which I feel like there's something significant about that that the Lord is going to reveal in the years to come. And I'll be transitioning as the senior pastor um, of that church in June. So, uh, so that's a little bit about me. Um, and, uh, and even as I'm getting ready to transition, um, I just want to prophesy again and speak again that there are a lot of young leaders that the Lord is raising up and is establishing in places of leadership 
Um, and I'll just say it again, removing saws, removing um, older generations uh, to establishing younger leadership uh, that's really going to breathe new life, that's going to um, invigorate and and motivate uh, the mission of God in churches. And, and this is like churches that are going to be just getting started and churches that are in need of renewal, that are in need of turning around. Um, I just see the Lord establishing young leadership this year in 2023, that this is a pivot year. This is a, a shift year. Uh, that's the word that I'm getting. Um, I won't prophesy that here. You can watch our service Sunday. I'm going to bring the word of the Lord <laughs> this Sunday. But uh, yeah, man. All right. So I want to dive into this teaching. This is what I call a revelatory teaching. If you're someone who loves the word of God, if you're someone who loves the spirit of God, if you're someone who wants to be aware of what Jesus, the head of the church, is up to, um, this is going to be something that speaks to you, I believe. This is going to be something that um, is helpful in your thinking, because we don't just want to love the Lord with all of our heart. It says love him with all your mind, too. Uh, so that means that not only do we need to have the right affections, we need to have the right thinking when it comes to executing the strategies of heaven. Um, and I believe that um, the fivefold ministry, um, I want to share a, a teaching on this, a revelatory teaching on this, um, that it's something that the Lord is really allowing and is going to have e emerging uh, even more as we move forward in these years to come. In fact, right now, um, it might seem like a novelty. It might seem like something new, uh, but really, um, I think it's already been something that's been on the rise, but um, I'm going to prophesy that even 10 years from now, it's going to be normal language in churches, uh, that there will be apostles, the prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, and that people will not be shy to say that's who they are. And that's what their function is when it comes to leadership. And just a fun testimony uh, leading into the podcast, you know, I have my couch being delivered today at our house, so I'm home. And uh, the window that they wanted to deliver the couch was right around the time we were supposed to do this podcast. So I said, Tristan, man, pray, pray that this couch gets here early. I was the last one on the list. So there's no telling how long they were going to take. And they showed up an hour before the podcast got it all set up. So praise God for that. And then a buddy of mine, one of my covenant brothers, as I was putting this together, uh, called me out of nowhere. We text all the time, but he called me out of nowhere and he's like, Hey man, like, what are you up to? I told him, Hey, I'm getting ready to go on this podcast with a young brother that I met. And we're going to be talking about the fivefold ministry. And he said, bro, not even five minutes before I called you, I was reading an article on the fivefold ministry. So, um, it was just a real confirmation to me that, uh, what we're going to be talking about today is really on the Lord's heart. And, um, and again, that if you're watching this to just lock in, um, pay attention, put your phone down, put it on focus mode. We're the most distracted generation ever. So just lock in because distraction will detract you from being as effective as you can be in the kingdom. So um, this is, again, something that's slowly emerging, the authentic resurgence, I'm calling it, of the fivefold ministry gifts. And I just I want to say this. This is nothing new. Um, the fivefold ministry gifts have never ceased, but historically they've been neglected, they've been suppressed, and even at times they've been opposed. And uh, what I'm talking about when we say the fivefold ministry gifts is what we see in Ephesians 4.11, where it says that there, that Jesus uh, gave to the church some to be apostles, 
prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And um, in the years ahead, I want to say the talk and the implementation of these five ministries um, is going to be normal and even prominent um, in church leadership. And uh, I just love, Tristan, that you were saying that this is how you want to set up and structure your organization. And I'll just say, if you look at some of the ministries that are having the greatest influence and impact in the world right now, they are ministries that have all of these ministries present, all of these leadership gifts present um, in their ministry. And uh, and again, I'll just say that for those who are watching this, um, the Lord is highlighting you. Um, he's preparing you and he's raising you up to step into these callings and that this ministry mantle out of these five you know, leadership mantles, God is raising you up and is releasing this mantle um, over you. And uh, what's funny, Tristan, right? Nobody wakes up, all right? Even as a Christian, no one wakes up one day and just says, oh, I'm going to be a pastor. Um, I'm going to be a prophet. Um, you're crazy. You're crazy if you do that. No one does that. You know, nobody's just going to one day want to be a pastor. So if you're feeling like, you know, oh, you're aspiring or you're admiring these church leaders, um, that is a sign. That's often one of the signs that this is something that God's drawing you to. This is something that God's preparing you for. You know, what I love is that God will never expose you to something that you don't have access to. Um, if the Lord has placed that, you know, we're joking around about my frame TV here. Hey, the Lord exposed you to it, uh, Tris, it's yours, all right? The Lord's never going to show you something you can't have, all right? But don't be ridiculous, you know, looking at Bugattis and stuff after that, right? Um, but but what I mean is that no one chooses this. God chooses. No one chooses and says, I'm going to be a prophet. God chooses you to be a prophet. Um, you're not going to just wake up one day and that's what's going to be. And I'll, I'll give a little, you know, Old Testament um, verse for that. It's in the book of Hebrews and it says um, about the high priest. And if you know, like um, I look at the fivefold ministry gift or church leadership as almost an extension of the Levitical priesthood. Um, that's almost our heritage as as leaders in the body of Christ. If you're called to, to leadership, and what I mean by that is leading churches in some way or some capacity, not everyone's called to that. And, and that's a good thing because not everybody's supposed to do that. Uh, but it says, this is Hebrews 5, 1 through 4. It says, every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to represent the people in the matters of God. So, you know, giving some boundaries for what it is to be in full-time ministry and church leadership. This is one of the goals, right? To offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. We don't have to do that anymore. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and going astray since he himself is subject to the weakness. We still deal with that. Um, this is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as for the sins of the people. But here's the verse. Here's the part that I want to highlight when it comes to church leadership, when it comes to the fivefold ministry leadership. It says, and no one takes this honor on himself, but he receives it when he is called by God, just as Aaron was. So when it comes to church leadership, um, it's not like ascending a corporate structure. Like I could be in a business environment and a promotion comes along and I could take it. You're not always supposed to be promoted into a pastoral role. You're not always supposed to be promoted into an apostolic role. You have to really know that this is something God has called you to. And it's not something that someone's going to 
speak to you. It's something that God's going to put in you like he did with Jeremiah. He let Jeremiah know. He said, hey, from your mother's womb, I've called you to be a prophet. Your calling is on your life and your mother's womb. When we're in the imagination of God, he already knows what he's called us to. He already knows what he's destined us for. Um, and I mean that in the best way possible because God's good. God's will is good and perfect and acceptable. You know, um, I was talking to my wife, Tristan, this is like sidebar, man. Um, I was talking about how knowing the Lord has things destined for you. And uh, I thought about it and this might be a little morbid, but you think about Peter, he said to Jesus, Hey, I'm going to die with you. And Jesus said, not yet, but Peter knew he was going to die for him. It just didn't happen the way he thought it was going to happen. And if you know, historically, Peter was crucified just like Jesus, except upside down. You know, he didn't feel like he could be crucified. But but that was something Peter had in his heart. He wanted to die for Jesus. Uh, same thing for Paul. It was something that was on his life that the Lord told him. You know, so there's a certain things that are that are meant for us. And that's another another lesson for uh, another time. But um the priest doesn't call themselves. God calls the priest. And the calling of God that is on their life is then recognized by people around them. All right. You see that? There's two parts because I want to I rescue some people from delusion. <laughs> um, sometimes you think you're called to something, but you're not. And that's okay. Not everybody can be everything or do everything. But when you are called of God to church leadership, not only will there be a sense in you that that's what you're supposed to do, it will be confirmed by your covenant community. It will be confirmed by your fellowship, by the people around you. So that's why um, I highly encourage, especially these young gifted leaders that God is raising up right now to be connected to a church. And um, I believe this again, that already the Lord is allowing for, um, you know, the proper ordination you know, the proper alignment of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers in ministries um, right now, that God is already organically orchestrating these kinds of leadership in churches. Um, and, you know, while I was putting this together, I could actually see covenant brotherhood and friendships um, that the Lord was uniting in this hour, in this time. Like, I feel like there's been people you've been praying for, you've been praying for your tribe, you've been praying for um, you know, the Lord to bring you around your covenant community. And I'm talking about the local church that God assigns you to where you uh, will have an assignment that you fulfill there, something that's poured into you and something you pour out there that God is actually aligning you with those people um, right now. And uh, <clears throat> again, I just want to encourage someone in the Lord uh, that the Lord is connecting you to your tribe and to your place of purpose in this season. And Tristan, I believe he's doing that with you too right now. Um, I just, you know, and and, and I, I'm happy that I got to play a little part in it, but I just believe that the Lord is really doing that for you right now in particular. And you're going to see some things that are going to just stay with you forever because of that proper alignment with what God is doing in a local body. Um, so um, again, um, talking about fivefold ministry leadership teams, leading churches, raising up revivalists. And um, this is going to happen, these leadership structures and churches that really want to be as effective as possible. These are going to happen in those churches, um, in those ecclesias. Um, <clears throat> so I want to get into the text. Um, we get this revelation 
right? In Ephesians 4, uh, chapter 11. Uh, I'm sorry, chapter 11. Ephesians 4, verse 11 through 16. It really starts in verse 7, the whole paragraph, but we'll start in verse 11. And I'll just read it. And it says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we shall no longer be children tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by whatever joint supplies, I'm sorry, by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share. I love that causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Praise the Lord. So, I mean, Paul loves run-on sentences, bro. Like that's probably one of the most, you know, I mean, it's just packed with purpose, packed with meaning, packed with power. Uh, we don't have time to really unfold it all. But what I want to do here is draw a distinction, Tristan, between what I call uh, the gifts of the church and the gifts to the church. So when we look at the gift lists that we have in the New Testament, and these are not exhaustive lists, meaning there are gifts that the Holy Spirit gives that I believe are not on those lists that we have in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Peter 4. Um, they all talk about the gifts that are uh, the gifts of the church. Um, this, this is different. Um, according to Ephesians 4.11, these are gifts to the church. And here's the main difference. The gifts of the church are for everyone. If you are a Christian, if you are born again, if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you have gifts that the Holy Spirit has put in you. Okay. But when it comes to the gifts to the church, here's the, here's the main word we want to look at in verse 11. It says, he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets. So one is for all, the other is for some. Not everybody, again, um, is going to uh, have a trajectory to become an apostle, to become a prophet, to become an evangelist, to become a pastor, to become a teacher. But again, if you are called to those things, I believe that the Lord will make it evident to you first, and then will put you on a journey that leads to the affirmation of it. You have heaven's affirmation. I feel like a lot of people already have heaven's affirmation about their gift, about their leadership call. Now they need to humble themselves and go through the process of submitting to other leadership in a healthy way, to having accountability, to being committed somewhere um, where they can have covering and where they can have that um, affirmation here on earth in the local church. So that that would be the the main difference. And and another difference I'll draw is that these gifts of leadership are given by Christ. Um, the gifts of the Spirit are given by the Holy Spirit. So in verse 8, it says, um, I'm sorry, I'll start in verse 7 in chapter 4 of Ephesians. It says, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. 
Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. Now, who's the he in this passage? It's Christ. So I want you to look at your pastor and your leaders a little bit differently now and go, wow, Jesus wanted that person to be a gift to me. That's a beautiful thing. I wish most people in churches looked at leadership that way. Unfortunately, it's not always the case, but we love you anyway. So, so the idea is that Christ gave these ministries as gifts to the church. And for what reason? Um, we'll, we'll, we're going to look at that. Um, on, out, of this, out of this passage, out of this paragraph, verse 11 through 16, um, I like numbers. You know, I'm a, So I'm a pastor. I love to preach and teach. I like numbers. Um, I like um, acronyms. I like all that stuff that's going to be helpful in remembering truth. Um, but I see seven purposes here for the fivefold ministry, what they are meant to accomplish uh, for the church. And, um, and what I love is that, again, if you're called to these, these ministries in particular, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, these are word-oriented ministries. This is the ministry of the word. And what that means is your primary um, your primary responsibility is the preaching and and the application, all right, helping the church to apply the word of God to their life. Um, that is the main responsibility here. Um, and if you remember in Acts chapter six, uh, verses one through four, um, when the church was multiplying, there was a greater need. There was more administrative need. And, and guess what? Uh, the apostles didn't stop their study of the word of God. They didn't stop their fasting and praying. They raised up deacons. And what they said is that it is not, um, it's not good that we should um, abandon the word of God to wait on tables. That's not undermining service at all. What it is, is they knew what they had to focus on. And it wasn't so much all that administ administrative stuff. It was the word of God. It says um, they raised up those ministries so that they can continually give themselves to the word of God and prayer. All right. So if you're in this, if you're in that church leadership um, arena, that is your focus. That is your task. That is your responsibility. The faithful proclamation of the word of God. Um, and and that will be distinguished based on which office you're in. <laughs> Woo! Come Holy Spirit. All right. So before we get into, you know, because what we're going to do is I'm going to talk about the purpose of the gifts. Um, I'm going to talk about how do you receive these gifts. Um, and then we'll talk a little bit about, um, you know, just what each one of these offices look like. I'll comment a little bit on it. There's so much that could be said, but you know, for, for time's sake, we'll, we'll only comment a little bit on each one. Uh, so seven purposes. Uh, number one, verse 12, the equipping of the saints. All right. So uh, the purpose of all of these gifts, all right, we're going to put them all together here while we're talking about this, is the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. So if you're in a church where the pastor is doing everything, and eh, that's wrong. That's one of those dead systems that need to be put to death. Um, the pastor or the leader needs to be multiplying themselves and others so they can multiply the ministry. All right. Disciples that are making disciples. All right. So that there's something on the life. There's some impartation that's upon every one of these gifts that they are meant to be equipping the church with. 
all right, in a pastoral way, in a teaching way, uh, in a, an evangelistic way, in a prophetic way, apostolic way, there's something that needs to be established in the church for the work of ministry. Uh, verse, so I'm going to break verse 13 into three parts, okay? So there's 13a, 13b, 13c, um, and, and I'll parse it out in these three points. Um, it says, uh, till we all come to the unity of the faith. So the fivefold ministry is meant to bring unity to the church. They're meant to bring unity to the body of Christ. And what I love is that where I see, you know, churches that have this structure, which I'll I'll give some contemporary examples um, in a minute. Um, you know, there's great unity among those churches because the apostle often is the vision holder um, who is, you know, putting that vision forth of what heaven wants to release. The prophet is there to affirm it and to give strategy around the apostolic vision. And then the evangelist is there to help the church recruit people for the vision. And then, you know, the pastor and the teacher is there to really help grow that vision. So, so like we can, we can talk about how I'm going to talk a little bit, how they all kind of flow together, but they're meant to bring unity to the church. Um, they're meant to bring, um, revelation concerning the son of God. Now, when, when we look at that, it says for the equipping of, the, so this is verse 13 till we come to the unity of the faith. So they're meant to bring unity and to the knowledge of the son of God. All right. And I look at that in three ways. All right. I, you know, I like to parse things out. I told you I like numbers. Um, and that's his person, um, his work and, 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 uh, and his agenda. Okay, I'll put those three things together. So the so this fivefold ministry team, they're meant to bring revelation. They're meant to bring knowledge of the Son of God when it comes to who Jesus is, who the Lord is, um, his work, what he's doing, his agenda, what he's up to, what he's preparing us for. All right. So um, and even, you know, what's funny is that, uh, Tristan, we don't have time to do it today, um, but I could line up every one of these fivefold ministry gifts with each one of these things that Paul is laying out here. You can literally match it up, which, which what the apostle has in this, what the, what the prophet has in this, what the evangelist has in this. Uh, for those who love the word of God, that can be a fun study for you later, you know, but you can line all those things up and, um, you know, and flesh it out. Um, so that we're on, we're on number four. This is the, so I'm sorry. Yeah. So his, so number four is, uh, for the church to grow in maturity and in the fullness of Christ. So this is still this is 13C now. Um, this is our our fourth purpose of the ministry gifts. It says, till we all come to the unity of faith, to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So when I think about this, I'm thinking about spiritual maturity and empowerment. All right. So you know, I like what Bill Johnson says, purity and power. You know, this is where we have that settled in this text. All right. So the fivefold ministry gift is meant to help the church mature. You want to be growing in the character of Christ. You want to have the fullness of the fruit of the spirit and the fullness of the presence of God, the spirit of God upon your life. Hallelujah. Do it, Lord. In Jesus name, I pray even right now, just whoever's watching this, fill them with your Holy Spirit right now. Fill them until they feel it, Lord. In Jesus' name, God, I pray your spirit just begins to leap and jump with joy because of the truth that of the word that's going forth. So, um, so to to grow the church in maturity and in the fullness of Christ, um, our fifth uh, doctrine that we're going to talk about, or our fifth 
purpose here is to establish the church in sound doctrine. Verse 14, it says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men, by the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. So one of the objectives, and I bet you can figure out which one of those ministries does that. All of them kind of do it, but there's one that really does it more than the others to establish in sound doctrine. Um, that's one of the purpose. That's one of the, the seven purposes here. The other is to establish the church and communication of the things of God. Um, you may not be called to speak on a stage. You may not be called to have a, a big audience, but every one of us is tasked with making disciples. Every one of us has the task of preaching the gospel. Every one of us. So every one of us need to be equipped in communicating the things of God. We need to be able to give language to express our salvation. Every one of us. Every Christian has that responsibility. Whether you're an introvert, whether you like to serve in secret, you know, all that kind of stuff, you still have a responsibility to preach the gospel. So it says in verse, um, let's see how I line that up here. It says that in verse um, 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head of Christ. So establishing the church and the ability to communicate the gospel. Last one is this, um, effectively placing disciples in their God-given roles so that the church can edify itself and love. And that's what it says in this last part here. It says that every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share. That means everybody's in their lane. Everybody's in their role. Everybody's in the space that God wants to use them in. And uh, here's something that the Holy Spirit's been sharing with me. He said, there's no ceiling in your calling. There's no ceiling in your calling. And what I mean by that is this. So there's things that I had grace to do that was limited, meaning there was a need. I stepped into that need. I, I helped, but it wasn't a forever thing. But when you are in the optimal environment, when you are in the space that God has created you for, there is no ceiling. You will go as far as your life will allow. You will go from glory to glory once you're in that space that the Lord has created you for. So there's no ceiling um, in your calling. But that's that's kind of, again, those seven purposes, okay, that um, I see the fivefold ministry here in verses 11 through 16 are meant to fulfill. And like I said, I could line them all up, but we don't necessarily have time to do that, maybe in another discussion. So, you know, as you're listening to this, you might ask yourself, all right, how do I receive these gifts? You know, I have a desire to be a pastor. I have a desire to be an apostle. I have a, I have a desire to do these things. Well, um, the reception of these gifts, I'll, I'll kind of lay I mean, I don't have, I, I can line them up with scripture. I'm just going to be quick so that we can have a little more time to talk about them. Um, but number one is birth from heaven. So let me see. I'm, I got my Bible open in front of me. This is one of my favorite passages because um, I'll use myself as an example here. Um, my calling didn't come from a pastor. My calling didn't come from a man, didn't come from a church. My calling came from heaven, my authority came from Jesus. And um, I don't say that to be arrogant. I say that because that's the assurance that I had stepping into the body of Christ. 
And then as I served, as I as I humbled myself and became a part of a local church, I mean, I did everything. I was a greeter. I was an usher. I was a I led youth Bible. So I did whatever needed to be done. I wasn't like looking for making a name for myself or trying to be great or anything. I just wanted to bless God's people and serve. Um, you know, I, I stepped into all those roles. But as I did that, my calling became evident to the people around you, to the people around me. You know, um, I heard Randy Clark say this. He said, no one, Mary didn't have to tell anyone she was pregnant. She was pregnant. You can see it. So while your calling will be birthed from heaven, you know, it will become evident to the people around you. If you are really in a spiritual community, if you're really in a covenant community, a church, um, that these are things that you are called to. Uh, I used to have people prophesy over me all the time, things that I never would have thought for myself, but became confirmations uh, to what it was the Lord was beginning to direct me in or lead me in or prepare me for. So um, give you an example here. The Apostle Paul, this is a scriptural example. Um, uh, this is in Galatians chapter one, verse one. It's literally one of my favorite introductions that the Apostle Paul has in one of his letters. And he says, Paul, an apostle. Now, if you're called to one of these ministries, I don't believe in any of that false humility where people say, oh, I'm just a servant of the Lord. I'm just this. I'm just that. Yeah, I believe that. But you need to take ownership of your calling, right? So if you're called to be a prophet, lay hold of that. If you're called to be a pastor, lay hold of that and don't be shy about your ministry because none of the apostles were. So I don't see any of that in the scripture. I think it's a Western thing. We're like, oh, I'm just a servant. Oh, I'm, you know, I'm just, you know, it's like, yeah, you're a servant, but who are you? You know, your calling is a part of your identity. It really is. So you want to lay hold of that. And, and yeah, we want to warn against, you know, finding your identity and what you do, but I see your identity in two parts. I see your identity as who you are and also what God's created you to do. That is a part of your identity, you know, your work. You know, he didn't just make Adam. He he gave Adam a job, you know, so so it's important to take ownership. I'll say that I'll be calling. But he, but here's the verse. Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God, the father who raised him from the dead and all the brethren who are with me. Um, and then he goes on to kind of say it again. He says, um, let me see if it's in here. He even talks about his message in here. He says, I marvel that you're turning away so soon from him who called you into the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there were some who trouble you who want to pervert the gospel. But even if it were we or an angel from heaven preach another gospel to you than what we've preached, let them be accursed. And uh, he says, I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which was preached by me, not according to man. So, so even Paul's revelation, was not according to man. His calling wasn't according to man and what he taught. He didn't learn from anyone else. Jesus himself taught him. And, uh, you know, that's probably that wilderness season that he had for all those years before he had presented himself to the apostles after his encounter on that road to Damascus. Um, so birth from heaven, if you're called to do these things, God created you for it and it's in you already. You know, you need to have that assurance. This is what the Lord 
is calling me to. And then you need to begin to take the steps that are necessary for you to begin to do those things. So um, birth from heaven, trained, affirmed by others, commissioned by church leadership. All right. And when I say affirmed by others, meaning God will put you in a community where people will recognize those gifts on your life. And, and again, that that was my trajectory. So um, if I were to kind of categorize myself in this, because I'm called to full-time church leadership, um, that's my calling. I've known it uh, from the time that um, I really got my call into ministry, which again is another another testimony. Um, but I was sure that that's what the Lord wanted. And um, I was always like from the very beginning of my salvation, I was receiving visions. Um, I was receiving dreams. Like that's one of the main ways I hear from the Lord is through dreams. I'll have words of knowledge dreams. I'll have dreams about future scenarios and things that are getting ready to happen. Um, I'll have dreams about people. Um, I, I, I feel, I sense, um, I know, I see, I hear, I, you know, I kind of flow in all of those areas of the prophetic. And, um, that was just something that was on my life. I was faithful. I would prophesy to people. So I, I, I'm kind of in that apostolic prophetic camp. Um, so I love to initiate things, love to start ministries, love to uh, start things that don't exist, which I think is a characteristic of an apostolic call. Um, but I also love to prophesy. I, I really get um, a sense of divine agendas and, and what the Lord is doing. So I'm all about, hey, releasing the word of the Lord for the year. God definitely has an agenda for the year. He has an agenda for the quarter. He has an agenda for the for the month. He has an agenda for the week. He's got an agenda for your day. He's got an agenda. And the prophetic gives us access to that, um, to become aware of that spiritual reality and grace uh, that God is releasing. So, um, uh, so, so I walked in that. I prophesied the people, the words weren't just good, they happened. <laughs> I was in friendship long enough to see prophetic words actually come to pass in people's lives. Um, that gave credibility to the prophetic gift that was on my life. Um, I was recognized for that in church leadership at the church that I'm at now. And then they eventually um, gave me authority to pastor the prophetic at our church and to shepherd prophetic people. Uh, that is one of the areas of responsibility I have in my church. And uh, and and then I was recognized by well-known prophets um, to have these gifts, which I have recorded just from my own my own affirmation, my own confirmation. Um, and that I think that is part of the process. It's not easy being called the church leadership. It's not. You know, you don't apply for it. There's no there's no application process for for a pastor. Like maybe there is, but there's got to be this divine orchestration that that God works in your life um, to raise you up in ministry, and and I love it. Um, I, I'm 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 very passionate about it, and I want people who are called to it to be um, assured that the Lord will direct you. But if you're not called to it, get out of there. Just because you think it's something you might be good at doesn't mean you should do it. Like get out of there. Some are called, and you want to make sure that you are really one of those some. So um, let's let's transition. I want to talk about the function of these gifts. Um, you know, it's not a hierarchy. Um, even though Paul lists them in First Corinthians uh, twelve, he says first there's a po uh, prophets, then uh, governments, and he kind of gives a little bit of an order. But it's not like a hierarchy, like we often think of a structure. So like we might think an apostle is like you know, the the lead, the head, all that kind of stuff. But these, it's more of a, I'd almost say like 
they work in tandem. They all do something that the others cannot. And um, what I love is that there's no real organization in the Bible that we have that shows us how it should be structured. I think the Lord kind of gives us some freedom on how that on how that works. And it's not, again, about the title. It's about the function. You know, you can call yourself an apostle <laughs> and be a pastor of a small church. <laughs> I don't know if that's apostolic, you know, but um, but it's not about the title. It's about the function. It's about what you do. What you do says more to me than about what you say. Um, so it's about the works. You know, Jesus said, hey, if you don't believe me for what I'm saying, believe me at least for the works that I'm doing, that this is that I'm the son of God. So um let's start with uh the apostle okay there is a distinction between the original apostles and what i'll call the ascension apostles meaning these are people who were named apostles after jesus rose and went to heaven all right and what i love is that this passage is talking about ascension apostles it's talking about ascension gifts meaning these are gifts that jesus gave as he ascended all right so um, he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. And this is different from the foundational apostles, the 12 apostles who walked with Jesus, who were eyewitnesses of his ministry, um, who helped pen the New Testament. Um, there's a distinction there. Um, doesn't mean they're any less inspired, but there is a distinction. There is something special about the original 12. But um, there are many many even in the in the book of acts who were called apostles other than the 12 you know paul being one of them who ended up writing two-thirds of the new testament so i mean that that's huge that goes a long way uh what i'll say is this there's a lot i can make comments about but i just want to talk about some characteristics when it comes to the apostolic role um the the apostle has a specific ministry and message to establish in the body of christ if you're an apostle, there is there is a specific, I'm talking about like the whole body of Christ needs to know what you got. We need to know it. And God will promote you to a place where it can be imparted. But if you are an apostle, there is a specific ministry and message that God wants you to establish in the body of Christ. I'll use a biblical example. Paul knew who he was. He said, I'm an apostle to the Gentiles. Peter said, I'm an apostle to the circumcision. He knew who he was called to. So as an apostolic leader, you need to know what's the message. What is it that Jesus has put in you to release in the body of Christ? And what is the ministry? How does he want to accomplish it? Who is it for? Um, so, so every apostle, every apostolic leader has a dominating revelation that they establish the church in. And again, this is something you can see in history, and we can see it with contemporary apostolic leaders. Um, I'll use Bill Johnson as, as an example. Bill Johnson has a powerful revelation on hosting God's presence and kingdom influence. More than anyone I know, there's an impartation on him to actually release that message and to steward people in that message. But he's an apostle, so he is itinerant. Even though he's established, he's got a home base, he travels all around, and there's an impartation on him for that message, and he has pastors who manage the church. Um, you won't see him doing all that stuff over there that pastors do, but he has a main revelation, a dominating revelation, 
that God unfold has unfolded all his years of ministry. Um, I'll give you a historic example. Now I'm a, I'm a Methodist. I'm a Methodist pastor. So John Wesley is um, the uh, founder of the Methodist church. And um, his message that he deposited, and he was an apostle. I believe John, John Wesley was an apostolic leader. In fact, on his grave, it says, here lies the apostle John Wesley. So he was recognized as an apostle after his death. Um, but when you look at the work that he did, it was an apostolic work. He released a move of God. Apostles initiate moves of God. And most of the leaders that we study in history, God's generals and, and all the folks that we name, they were apostolic leaders who initiated moves of God. John Wesley initiated the move of God through his teaching on entire sanctification. That message of entire sanctification led to the holiness movement, which led to Azusa Street, which led to every other move of God that's brought us to where we are right now. And that's just from like the 1700s. So, um, so that was his ministry. That was his message. Apostles are pioneers. They're, initiary, they're initiators of God's will for the body of Christ. And what's cool about apostles is they can often flow in all of the other four gifts, leadership gifts. All right. So apostles will prophesy. Apostles will evangelize. Apostles can pastor and they can teach. But the grace for them to do that is limited. And what I mean by that is an apostle will get bored. So if an, you, you couldn't keep apostle the apostle Paul in Ephesians and in, in, in the church in Ephesus. He stayed for like two years, but he was like, all right, I got to go on now. There's something else I got to do. All right. So if you're an apostolic leader, you're not, you might have a home base. You might help start something, but at some point you're going to transcend that organization and you're going to probably be more itinerant. You're probably going to be um, establishing things in different places. And you'll have relationships with other ministries. Uh, the same for a prophet. Um, I'll say the same thing. You'll have a home base, but at some point you'll transcend that organization. You'll raise up leaders. You'll basically work yourself out of a job like Paul did in all the churches he planted. Um, and then you'll establish leadership there so you can go on to the other works that God's called you to. So, um, you know, that's what I'll say. But they can flow in all those gifts, but in a limited capacity. Okay. Let me transition. We'll talk about profits. How am I doing on time, bro? How are we looking? We're good? Okay. All right. I hope this is good, man. This is this is stirring me up, bro. This is stirring me up as I'm getting it. All right. So so for the prophet, okay, um, you know, apostles and prophets work hand in hand. All right. Ephesians 2.20 talks about how the foundation of the church is built on the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus being the corner stone, Okay. Um, what I love is that Jesus and his cousin, John the Baptist, were the first apostle-prophet combination. I don't know if you ever thought about it like that, but they were the first two apostle and prophets, right? Jesus is the great apostle. He was the first one. Then he chose 12 others to carry on his ministry. Um, John the Baptist was a prophet. He had a message that, that connected to the apostolic ministry. And, um, you know, so what I see, what I think we even see now is alignments of apostles and prophets. And when they come together, come on, y'all, somebody's going to catch this. When an apostle and a prophet comes together, the kingdom impact that they can have is exponential. It is, it is times 
I mean, I mean, it multiplies to 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 a to a degree that's unknown. The impact that an apostle and a prophet can have for the kingdom when they unite, when they're properly aligned. I'll put Bethel on the spot again. You got Bill Johnson and Chris Valentin. This is an apostle prophet alignment. And look at what they've been able to do. With the International House of Prayer, you had Mike Bickle and Bob Jones. All right, look what they were able to do. Uh, you got, um, when it comes to uh, the Rock, I think it's the Rock Church in Pasadena, Cheon's Church. You got Cheon, you got Lou Engel. All right, these are all these apostle prophet um, alignments. And look at the kingdom impact, even in our generation, right, that they were able to have. So, so. Um, I'll just say that, you know, they prophets and, and let me speak specifically about prophets. Prophets awaken the priority of divine agendas in the body of Christ. If you're called as a prophet to the church, that is one of the responsibilities is to awaken divine agendas to the body of Christ. Also, you know, what's funny is like when I think about the relationships between apostles and prophets, I almost think about it as the relationship between a prophet and a king in the Old Testament. A prophet would confirm who a king was, but they would not serve as a king. They were there to support the king. So prophets are meant to support apostolic leaders because apostles and prophets are concerned with the realm of heaven. They're concerned with heaven and divine agendas and what heaven is up to. That's that's where the apostle and the prophet live. They live in that realm of the supernatural and of heaven. So what they do is they get divine revelation that they impart to the church because we don't want to move according to the spirit of the world. We want to move according to what's going on in heaven, to what heaven is up to, to what Jesus is up to, to what the head of the church, Jesus, is trying to do. Apostles and prophets reveal that. Um, they work together uh, to do that. Um, apostles, um, I'm sorry, prof uh, prophets make aware not only the grace of heaven, but the strategy to accomplish it. Okay, so prophets can often act as consultants. You know, it's almost like a worldly consultant. You bring a consultant into your base, into your into your business, and say, "How can I be better?" Well, if you are a church that's trying to figure out how can I be better. I'm not saying don't go hire a consultant because there's good Christian consultants, but get a prophet in your ministry. A prophet will begin to speak to you about what is going to happen and how you can strategize around heaven's agenda. Um, so they give prophetic perspective about times and seasons. If apostles initiate moves of God, prophets speak moves of God into existence, and they help to maintain the move of God. If a move of God is losing momentum, a prophet could receive a word about what needs to be done in order for them to continue, okay? Um, prophets also function, I'll say this, they also function as empowering and equippers for the church to hear God's voice, all right? So one of the, one of the ways you know you're a prophet, you don't just prophesy. If people come under your ministry, you have the ability to allow them to increase in hearing God's voice. That is one of the trademarks of someone who is a prophet. Like when someone got into the midst of the prophets in the Old Testament, they would start prophesying. It happened to Saul. Um, it happened to many others. So 
if you're a prophet, when people come under your leadership, when they honor the gift that's on you, they will grow in their ability to hear God's voice. Um, so, so that's, uh, that there's an impartation on that. There's an impartation on prophets and there's an impartation on apostles to establish the church in those things. Okay. Um, real quick. All right. We're going to, we're going to fly through these and then we can discuss a little bit. Okay. So the evangelists, um, what I love is that, um, you know, we have examples of evangelists, you know, in our, in our present age, you know, Reinhard Bonnke, um, we have, uh, Billy Graham, both who have passed on um, and whose mantles, I believe, are being distributed ab uh, abroad. Um, and what I'll say about these first three gifts, these leadership gifts of apostle, prophet, and evangelist, is that God will often confirm these ministries um, and authenticate them with signs and wonders. All right, so apostles, prophets, evangelists, they will walk in unusual signs and wonders. All right, to authenticate their ministry. So when a when an apostle is starting a church, there will be great supernatural activity. Not to say that that church won't have supernatural activity, but as it's getting started, there will be great signs from the Lord to confirm that ministry and to establish it. Now, um, every Christian should walk in the supernatural, but I'm talking about unusual signs, signs that are more, um, how can I pay it? They're more frequent. There will be frequent signs in those areas. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, again, caveat: every one of every every believer um, is empowered to walk in the supernatural. Um, but evangelists, in particular, have a burning passion for the mission of God. That is their message. Their message is the gospel. They will unpack, unfold, flip, reverse the gospel in ways you never even thought about it. All right, they have a unusual gift to win souls. Okay, um, they're especially gifted at reaching the lost. So if you if you're someone who's an evangelist, you will find yourself often leading people to the Lord. Don't get hyped like you're somebody. It's the gift of God. All right, the Lord has gifted you for that. So be humble in that. And also, um, you're a long you're 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 the end of a long chain of people who have prayed, who have invested in those folks. Who are coming to the Lord, but if you have the gift, if you have the gift of evangelism, if you're called to that leadership gift, um, there will be. It, it's usually very easy for you to have those spiritual conversations and to lead people to the Lord. Um, if you're some somebody who's an evangelist, will often have consistent testimonies of how they led people to the Lord. But here's their default: they often get tired of church ministry because they're passionate about the lost being saved, they end up being itinerant and doing their own thing, reaching a lot of people for the Lord. Um, I want to I want to reiterate, I want to stress, okay, uh, this is very key, man. These gifts are for the church, period. If you're an evangelist, I love that you burn for the lost. You will never lose that. But you are not meant to lead the entire world to Christ. The evangelist is meant to equip the body of Christ to lead people to the Lord. If you sit under the mantle of an evangelist, you will see a grace in your life to reach more people for the Lord. When I listen to guys like like Leonard Ravenhill, when I listen to who I think was like a evangelistic prophet, uh, you know, I listen to guys, uh, you know, like like Billy Graham and the rest. There's something that's stirred in me. 
the Holy Spirit is stirred in me, I pick up on that grace and I'll find myself having those encounters. But I do walk in an evangelistic grace too. So that's <laughs> that's another thing. That's a whole other thing. Um, so evangelist, boom. Uh, passionate for the Lord, passionate for souls, message is the gospel, but is meant to equip the church to effectively reach people for the Lord. That is their job. All right, so we'll look at the pastor, and, and we'll be real quick because I think we understand what a pastor is. Pastors, they're more focused on the church. They're more focused on the people, so they want to see the people grow in maturity. They want to care for the flock. That is what they're meant to do. You can look at First Corinthians, I'm sorry, First Timothy chapter 3. It talks about the qualifications to be a pastor. Um, it is something that you will desire. It's something that you'll begin to sense, but pastors are... Are, are much more of like caretakers. Um, they're going to be, their, their focus is your spiritual growth, your spiritual health, uh, your maturity in the Lord. That's how you know you're called to be a pastor. You are concerned to really see people grow and be healthy spiritually. Um, you know, these are, these are the ones who are going to be faithful to oversee a ministry after an apostle establishes it. All right, they'll still work with the apostle. Tristan, we haven't gotten there yet. That's what I think we're going to see God do over these next decade, over this next decade, because this is, you know, they prophesied how 2020 to 2030 was going to be a great decade of change. Um, I really believe we're going to see, because I see the apostle-prophet combination. I see, you know, pastor-teacher combinations, but you don't really see all five working in unison. And we're going to see that. Our generation, I believe, is going to be the generation that establishes that. Um, I don't care what it looks like, how you how you advertise it externally, but internally, ministries are going to operate this way. Um, even if you're in a denomination that doesn't recognize those things, true leaders, God is going to give you the people to, to, to surround your church and to raise up leadership this way. Um, so pastor, so quick, quick thing. Um, you'll see a few terms in the Bible that people get confused about. So you have the term pastor here in Ephesians 4. You have the term elder in 1 Timothy. You have the term shepherd and overseer in Peter and in Timothy. These are all the same ministry. All right. At least from my study, that's what I see. They're all the same ministry. They're not different. Um, bishops, elders, overseer, pastor, they're all the same ministry. Um, they're just different words being used to describe aspects of those ministries. So um, I think it kind of speaks to them to itself, but it's about shepherding and managing the local church focused on relationship building and spiritual growth. That is the pastor. An apostle will not shepherd you. They'll give you great teaching. You will get life changing teaching from an apostle, from a prophet. But they'll have a hard time shepherding you. They'll have a hard time getting into the weeds, digging into your life, and really helping you grow. That's what a pastor's for. And like I said, an apostle can do that for a certain amount of time, but then they got to release you. And that's when you need a pastor. That's what Paul did with Timothy. He was like, hey, follow me. Come with me for a little while. Uh, join me as I'm. A All right, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plant you over here. And here's what I want you to do while you're there. Okay. So, so that's why you need the pastor. Um, an apostle will not shepherd you. Apostles are good spiritual leaders, but they, they won't shepherd you the way that a pastor will. Um, and then finally, teachers. So what I love is that I've you know been in seminary for a long time. 
And what's funny is that most of my professors um, in seminary who taught Bible, uh, they were pastors at one point, but then stopped. And they became teachers in seminary. Because they weren't pastors, they were teachers. <laughs> teachers love the word of God, but they love the word of God. And their focus is to teach you the word of God. And they're not so much connected to that emotional piece of like your spiritual growth. They're focused on what you know. So teachers can be very um, analytical. Teachers can be very, um, you know, um, matter of fact when they teach. Um, and, and they will get into the nitty gritty pastors when they preach, it's going to be about how to live your life better teachers. When they preach, it's going to be about how you can think about this correctly. I want you to come to an accurate understanding of this teachers enlighten the body of Christ teachers bring sound doctrine to the body of Christ. Uh, these are your guys who are writing you know, systematic theology, theology books, you know, history, like they just have a mind to really um, comprehend all those things and then give you the ability uh, to kind of give language to it. So boom, there you have it, man. That's that's the, the five-fold ministry in a nutshell. We could, again, spend a whole time uh, just talking about the gifts and their function and what they do and 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 how I believe they're supposed to play together uh, work with one another. And there are nuances. Like I said, you can be an apostle prophet. Um, you can be a prophetic evangelist. You know, you can be a prophetic pastor. You know, you can be a prophetic teacher. Like, so, so you can kind of have a mix in there, but there's definitely a space, uh, that the Lord has for you that you will thrive. And when you're in that space, there's no ceiling. So, uh, so there you go, bro. That's, that's the word of the Lord, man. So good, bro. <laughs> I, I'm not even kidding y'all. If you're watching this, you gotta have notes like for real. I don't know if you can see my screen. Oh my gosh, bro. Bro, there's so much, man. There's so much here. And like I said, I got a piece of it, y'all. Yeah. Some of you listening to this, you got other pieces that we need to bring it together. So we got a full understanding of this thing. Yeah. But but again, this is a revelation that is emerging that is going to be prominent. It's going to be so important Amen. as we get as we get years from now, decades from now, a decade from now, I'll say it's going to be one of the most important messages next to Israel and the unity of the church. Wow. Very mm -hmm. good. So with Novus, like I as you were speaking, like breaking this down, I actually have never broken this down like this before. And I'm very grateful that you did this. Um it's interesting because when you look at church, churches like like Bethel, like the way that they have um, the structure, like there's evangelists like Tom Crandall, who's head of yep. evangelism. Yep. And yep. then uh, you got Chris, who's prophet. Bill is apostle. Teachers, you know, um, there's like so much. And I'm looking at like Novus, like and I like not to sound arrogant, but I, like, as you're speaking, I really believe I'm called as an apostle. Like, cause I've Hallelujah. heard, yeah. I've heard, like I've, I've had, um, like I've had people speak a word over me and say, Hey, you're called to be an apostle. Like, and then I've had like a moment with God where I felt like I was now I'm like, okay, God, you're for real. Like, 
It's interesting. Hey, you know what? And you know what? Just like that happened for you, it's going to happen to a lot of people. A lot of people. Exactly. Because one of the main things, bro, is like people knowing who they are. Mm -hmm. And then like I like what Paul says in, in Philippians, uh, I believe it's chapter three. He said, or, or chapter four, I'm sorry. He says, I want to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Mm. So um, I really, and I, and I see that on your life, man. Um, and like I said, apostles initiate moves of God. And I see you releasing a move of God over the internet. Yeah. Um, but also, also, of course, and, you know, in, in the real world, you know, there's moves yeah. of the spirit, bro. You're not even aware of yet. But as you do this one, there'll be more. Paul had three journeys. He had three missionary journeys where he initiated different movements. That's incredible. You know, so, so, bro, like, yeah, I just, I confirm that. I confirm yes. that. Bro. Yes. Yes. Uh -huh. yes. So, uh -huh. Um, you you dove into a little bit. I know I gave you the questions ahead of time, yeah, but I'd yeah. like to, I, I got more questions. So I, I'm a move. I'm a shift. <laughs> so you dove best. into denominations that don't practice this. And I was just watching this video. This man posted, um, he said, uh, people who um, operate in the, that people that say that they've seen healing happen have bad theology. What would you say to someone that is in a church or a denomination that believe that this fivefold ministry doesn't apply to today, that there's only pastors, evangelists, and teachers, what would you say to them? Um, yeah. So um, I would say uh, run. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> They're going to kill your fire. No, um, I would say, um, you know, you need to discern number one, if that's where God wants you. Because I do believe God is going to raise up reformers in these denominations. And, and what I love, Tristan, is that our generation, what we long for the most, which I know is the heartbeat of God, is the unity of the church. Mm -hmm. That's what we long for. Exactly. That's what we want. It's, and, and here's the thing. It's a priority Jesus has before his return for his bride, for the church to be united. And, that's, and, I, and what I believe is that what this, new, this move of God that, that we're, that's already emerging um, that there's going to be um, uh, um, uh, bridges that are built between different denominations because of young leaders who are more concerned about heaven's agenda than they are about their denomination's agenda. Mm. And, and I want to warn against um, usurping authority. I want to warn against um, insubordination and dishonoring of leadership. Um, if, if, if you think that you need to do that in order to make a change, then um, that's not God's heart. Um, there's a way that God can do it where there's peace because we're called to be peacemakers. Mm -hmm. um, and, and here's the thing, like, I believe that the Lord will put to death those things um, that are going to hinder that. But I'd say, number one, discern if you're meant to be a reformer or if you're meant to transition into a place that's more aligned with what God is doing in you. But if you're in leadership and like I'm in a denomination right now, I'm ordained in a denomination right now where those gifts are not recognized, but I have the freedom um, to to structure my church leadership that way mm -hmm. if I want. Yeah. You know, so I don't really have if, if at any point it's a hindrance that that's a different discussion. That's a different conversation. But I feel like within my movement, I have the freedom to do that. So if you have the freedom to do that in your movement. Praise God. If you don't, you need to discern. Am I called to be a reformer here where God is going to, you know, uh, use my gift to to bring me before the people that can make the changes? Um, or am I meant to, again, 
align myself with a ministry that's more along those lines, which I think is what's it's happening with you even yeah. right now. Yeah. yeah. And I was just explaining, like we had, um, we had a, a, on Sunday, we had a service at Taylor and Chris's of local church. Um, but we had this moment and the Lord gave me revelation, like, um, why, like, we have a phrase that a lot of people churches use, like we want kingdom culture, but I think that we need to actually ask God what heaven's culture actually looks like, you know? Um, I think we, we, um, and I believe that the Lord will show us what that looks like. And I believe it looks like this fivefold ministry. I believe that, um, we all have these gifts and I, I think we need to partner with God in it and not just say that we're partnering with God in it. You know what I mean? I think that we actually need to take his hand and ask him what this looks like. And, mm-hmm. um, when you do that, if you're in, I believe when, if you're in a church, that doesn't honor the fivefold ministry. If the Lord is calling you to partner with him in that, like, don't be afraid to take his hand and do it, you know, um, be the example, you know, uh, you were, you were going into something that my friend Nehemiah says a lot. He says, actions speak louder than words and we can cast a lot of vision and not have a lot of action. And I think, I think we should, we should cast vision with the Lord, cast the Lord's vision over this, you know, um, and watch what he does because he's a he's a powerful God, you know. Um, I believe if you partner with him in a service and uh, the Lord's leading you to activate an encounter with him, you know, welcome. A, a, like when I say activate, I mean like usher in his presence into the building, you know, through you. Um, Take a step of faith, yes. Yeah, you know yes. what I mean? Uh-huh. Um, like Bill says, like hosting the presence is important, yes. you know. Um, so another part of that culture is the, um, we have to, we have to establish healthy practice, you know? So what, how, how important is that to you? Like, like being able to practice your prophetic gift that the Lord gives you. Um, cause if you're in that culture, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm actually praying about that now because, um, you know, we're, like I said, we're, we're going on to perfection. Like, I'm talking about the the capital C church. Like we all haven't quite figured it out. Um, we haven't quite understood. I think when it comes to the fivefold leadership gifts, like what is the balance of our leadership and lay leadership or or the body actually doing work? Like we haven't. We're still trying to figure out like what the right balance is. And I'm and I'm considering even now like. How do I expand a teaching team at my church to um, members of our church who may have the gift of teaching? Um, and like I said, we can do a whole thing on the gifts of the spirit. That's another area that the Lord's really given me a word about um, to really help develop and to, uh, you know, bring understanding to because, you know, you might be a teacher in the office, but you could also just be someone who has the gift to teach. Right. You know, that is there's a difference between the office and the gift. Um, just like there's a difference between the office of a prophet and someone who prophesies, mm-hmm. um, which we'll probably, we can get into that a little bit later, but, um, you know, you want to have a healthy culture and mm-hmm. how you do these things that honors God, that honors people, that gives opportunity for people to use their gifts. Um, and, um, you know, and, and I'm all about that. And I think that's part of church leadership is like, how do I create space? How do I facilitate opportunities for everyone's gift here to be expressed? 
you know, and um, that's kind of why we have the church gathering. It's, 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 we can do that. Um, I'm not of like this idea that churches should have no leadership and everybody should kind of do something a different week. I'm like, that's incorrect. If somebody puts that leader, puts that together, who's in leadership, that's good. But like, no, like there is leadership. There needs to be leadership. So, but we lead differently. Mm. We don't lord over people like Jesus said. We we serve. That's how we lead. We lead by serving. And if you're in one of these ministries, um, if you're in one of these leadership gifts, you serve the body primarily through the ministry of the word. Mm. That's how you serve. So don't feel bad that you don't like making coffee. You know, don't feel bad that you don't like sweeping up the church. Doesn't mean you don't do it if it needs to be done. But you're called, you serve through the word, you know, and, 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 and like I said, there's an impartation there. So yeah. And, and putting, especially around the prophetic, I mean, that's really my forte, man. That's my lane. Mm -hmm. You want to establish protocol that, that not only protects your ministers that, but also protects those who are being ministered to, um, mm -hmm. you know, like I, I, I we do prophecy rooms. We're actually going to be starting back up, uh, next month at our church. Um, so we have a team of folks in our church who have been recognized that to have the gift of prophecy, um, who I pastor, who I shepherd. Uh, we have prophetic small group where, you know, we do uh, training and, and activations and uh, we talk about what the Lord's speaking to us. Um, we track, I, I encourage them to record and track words that they give so that they can find out if they happen. <laughs> you know, I think, uh, you know who Georgian Banoff is? George, I think his name is, uh, 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 he's, uh, he runs with, uh, he runs with, uh, global awakening and stuff. He, he used to do a lot of stuff with them. He's from Bulgaria, I think, but he, uh, he said, um, I love getting prophetic words. I love it more when they happen. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, so tracking your words, man, making sure that you're accurate. And what's really cool. What I discovered, Tristan, is that if you have a prophetic gift or you're called to the office of a prophet, if you really are diligent and a good steward of what God's been speaking to you, um, you will be able to see where God's really given you an authority to prophesy. Mm -hmm. Very good. Um, like I know the things that I often hear the Lord about that are going to come to pass. And depending on the kind of word it is, I can tell you about how long it will be until it happens. And um, I've given, I've given some words and, you know, um, my timeline is usually about two years. So if it's like a real calling type word, um, usually about two years go by. And then a lot of what was spoken will begin to unfold. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes it's like the next day, depending on where a person is at. Um, like, like even today we prayed, I was like, man, that let that thing come in, come in like before this uh, interview and then boom, like everything came in. So like um, I got some other testimonies about that. We'll get into that, but yeah. you know, um, you'll understand your grace in the prophetic, which mm -hmm. is huge, um, because then you know really where to listen and lean into the Holy Spirit, not limiting God. You're just understanding your grace, what mm -hmm. he wants you to speak into. So um, that's some of the stuff that I work on with our team wow. is that I call it self-awareness in the prophetic, like just being aware of those things. Very good. Um, yeah. Chris talks about Chris Valadin. Sorry. I assume people know. You can talk is. about him. Like, I know him like I, he's one of my, I call him one of my prophetic fathers, man. I yes. Listen. Yeah. So he talks about um, in that sermon, I was telling you about the power of fivefold ministry. He talks about how you don't want to be the equipment manager. You want to be the player. 
you know, um, and the off office of the fivefold ministry is to equip the saints to do the yep. work, you know, um, I think that's so powerful. And the, the job of the prophet, he says, is to hook up the phone, not he, not to, to not to say what you're hearing from God, but to hook up the saints phone to hear from God. You know, I love that. And I love um, that illustration too, man. It, yes. It's so good. So how, how, how do you know if you're called to be that equipment manager, you know, or if you're just called to be a saint and be awesome, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I'll just say this. Um, when it comes to the prophetic, nobody steal this. All right. If you heard it, if you hear it here first, you heard it from me. All right. So um, what I, when it comes to the prophetic, I have three things, three ways that I kind of parse it out and it's everybody, anybody, some, hmm. okay. Everybody, anybody, some. So if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, if you're born again, you have the spirit of God, you are prophetic. There it is. The debate settled. You're prophetic. You hear from Jesus. If you wouldn't be a Christian if you didn't hear from Jesus. You know, John 10, he says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Now, the way you hear, that's another discussion. Okay. But you hear from God. Every Christian hears from God. Every Christian. In fact, the whole world hears from God. They just ignore it. All right. They're not saved. Um, but so everybody, everybody is prophetic. So, I mean, that's when, when, when Peter, and the reason I say that is when Peter talks about the new covenant, when he talks about the day of Pentecost and what was going on, he quotes Joel too. And he said, this is what you're seeing. God's pouring out his spirit. And he said, your sons and daughters will prophesy. prophesy. So that's everyone. Everyone's prophetic. Now, when it comes to the gift of prophecy, not everybody has it, but anybody can have it. Paul mm -hmm. says, hey, listen, pursue love, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, but especially that you would prophesy. Mm -hmm. So he actually gives us freedom to pursue prophecy, like the gift. So if you're going to rank the gift, signs and wonders, tongues and healing, and all, he makes priority the, prophet, the prophetic gift. Wow. He says, pursue that, you know, chase after that. He didn't say chase after healing. He didn't say eagerly desire, you know, gift of discernment. You know, he said, desire prophecy. So um, anybody can receive the prophetic gift if you want it. All right, there you go. Another one, just receive, you know, but when it comes to the office of a prophet, if it's not for you, you're not going to ascend to it. You're not going to just like go through it, you know, the, the, the prophet school and be a prophet. Like it doesn't work like that. Don't go to the prophet school if you're not called to be a prophet and, and you're not going to go to the prophet school to find out. So, so here's the thing, my calling again, my, and I didn't get to share like a lot about my testimony. I had a divine encounter by myself with Jesus and in that encounter, and it was even before I was going to church. All right. But in that encounter, um, the Lord sealed my calling on my heart. Wow. All right. And nobody was there. Right. And when you look at every prophet that God called, they were by themselves. Hmm. All right. They had a visitation. All right. So if you're a prophet, you will have a visitation and and you need to have that moment because you need that validation more than you need a prophet certificate, more than you need, you know, a community of people, you know, egging you on that this is on your life. You need that encounter. Yep. And I would doubt the authenticity of a prophet if they have not had that encounter. Hmm. yeah so That's from good. moses from elijah 
you know, from, from Samuel, all of them, they had that moment. No, well, we don't know Elijah's moment. We know Elisha's moment. We don't know Elijah's moment. Okay. But they all had that moment. Amen. All right. So I'd argue to say, if you're called to be a prophet, you need that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's funny how it's not funny. Uh, encounter speaks louder than, you know, you know what I mean? It speaks louder than just your words. Like when you have yep. a personal experience with Jesus, you can't convince like when someone has a physical manifestation a ca- encounter with god you cannot convince him that that he does not exist nope and here's the thing you need that if you're called to ministry because guess yeah. what there's so many things that are going to offend you there's so many things that are going to try to destroy you that if you do not have absolute assurance that this is what god wants you to do you will abandon it yeah that's good so i mean the you know so i like to say this the greater the call I mean, the greater the trouble that's coming with it. I mean, you know, and I'm not trying to be negative, but it's just like real. Paul says, hey, through through much tribulation, we will enter into the kingdom of heaven. You know, so so if you have a tremendous calling, you better be prepared for tremendous opposition, but also be prepared for tremendous help and grace in your mm-hmm. calling. Um, because, uh, you know, uh, you know, evil never prevails. You know, so the Lord is really going to stand with you. Paul said, hey, everybody forsook me, but the Lord stood with me. He had that assurance. So you really, if you're called, I'd say to call to any church leadership, you really need that assurance from the Lord that this is what he wants. Yeah, that's good. So uh, speaking of that, like people who fall, are you, does God take the gift away? Can he? No, he won't. (laughs) Boom. Perfect. It's not like the old covenant, man. You know, another one. Another, we're just we're settling all kinds of debates today, bro. <laughs> yeah. At least if you're, at least if you believe me, if you're listening to me, this is where I'm at. The Bible says the gift and the calling is without repentance, and that is both very encouraging and very scary, uh, because I know for us in charismatic circles, we've seen the trouble. You know, we've seen extremely gifted men of God who blew their ministry up because of infidelity, sexual immorality, um, you know, uh, financial fiascos, mm-hmm. you know, so you can be extremely gifted and not have good character. And, um, and I'll give you even an old Testament example of that. Um, I was just talking to somebody about this, uh, yesterday. Um, you got Samson, right? Samson anointed by God to be a deliverer, to be a judge struggled with sexual lust his entire ministry and it ended up ruining him in the end, Uh, you know, and uh, even though God was merciful and still empowered him, like he had lust issues his entire life mm -hmm. and never got resolved. It never got taken care of. So, you know, I'll just say that, uh, you know, the purity of the leadership that God is raising up right now, that is going to be something we see. We see leaders who are not only extremely gifted, who are empowered, but who have the character to sustain it, um, who have the character to really carry it to, to its end. And, um, you know, so I'm just believing that I'm believing that in my own life, mm-hmm. but I'm believing that for all the leaders, because Satan would love nothing more than to destroy you. If you're called, this is true. he would love, he would love nothing more than for you to you know, be, for the Lord to begin to make your name great. And then you somehow dishonor God because of some secret sin, you know, that you're living, you know, so if you're called, you know, pursue, not only your calling, pursue holiness. Mm-hmm. Holiness is good. Holiness 
is the is the state that we were created for and cut out of your life everything you need to that is going to keep you from being holy i don't care if it's a tv show i don't care if it's uh music whatever you need to do to stay pure do it because uh we're living in times where you know um the stakes are high stakes are even higher now i believe mm -hmm. yeah um that's so good man hallelujah um, yeah, yeah. Woo. yeah. Woo. so Woo. all right so <laughs> okay so I wanted to do like a little like kind of impartation moment. Um, but first, I, I wanted you to share a little bit of testimonies, uh, share a few testimonies, and then impart what is on you to whoever is on the other side of the screen. Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So testimonies, what are you thinking? What do you want to, what do you, what do you? Uh... Um, anything. Anything? Anything? Yeah, All, right. All right. What comes to mind, man? Well, well I'll just say this. Um you know, I believe that a lot of the people that the Lord has assigned me to, so I believe, um, you know, in whatever it is, God assigns people to you for a season to invest in, to disciple. Um, I've seen them all go on to just do great things for the Lord. Um, they've been able to break curses off their life. You know, um, I was a youth pastor for a number of years, uh, for a couple of years in, in Philadelphia and uh, pastored a group of young men and women where a few of these young men who are in that youth group, they're grown now, they're married, and you know some of them have families and stuff. Um, they are doing greater things than even myself right now. Wow. And um, and what I believe is that um, you know there is an impartation on my life um, to really highlight um, you know people's spiritual gifts and to that's another part of the apostolic gift is this ability to identify spiritual gifts or impart spiritual gifts. Hmm. Um, so for example, I'll give you a fun testimony. I prophesy over people all the time when I go out, like I get words of knowledge. Um, and, uh, we had a waitress who was, uh, serving my wife and I were at a Mexican restaurant in Philly, um, on Friday. And, uh, her name was Alexa, fun fact. And, uh, so hopefully none of my devices go off in the house, but, um, <laughs> she was just like, there's this, and I, and I love going out to eat because you got a captive audience. Um, you know, you better share the gospel with your waiter or waitress, okay? Because God put them right there in front of you and they have to serve you. You might as well bless them. You might as well try to get something from God for them. So I just challenge you to do that. But that's my wife and I's practice. Whenever we go out, um, not only do we try to tip and be generous, but we try to hear a word of the Lord for that person. And, um, you know, we've had a lot of people in tears and crying and all kinds of awesome stuff. Um, but but in this story in particular, um, I really saw like a counseling gift on this young lady, Alexa. And I'm like, man, I just feel like she's a counselor. And, you know, and, and, and what's cool is that when you are prophesying, you'll get a little something, especially with a word of knowledge. You usually get like something very specific, usually to who that person is. Word of knowledge is something that's... Um, that you wouldn't know about someone. Um, it's more than perception. It's more than discernment. Um, it's it's divine revelation. It's something that you would not know about a person unless God revealed it to you. And it's usually has to do with their present or their past. That's a word of knowledge. That's how I define it. Um, and usually words of knowledge, revelation gifts, that's another thing we could talk about. Revelation gifts usually flow one into another. So if you get a word of knowledge, that usually flows into a word of wisdom or a prophecy. Um, and prophecies can be very specific and that's about people's future, or it could be, um, more, um, you know, more, uh, metaphorical, uh, more, 
spiritual, but still is true. So, so I, I feel this word of knowledge for her and, and, um, and I never just lead off. Like I hear the Lord telling me you're a counselor. Like I don't lead off like that. So that's part of health and protocol. <laughs> okay. Humility. Um, I'm like, Hey, are you, you know, in school for anything right now? She's like, no, I'm just working. And I said, well, I just wanted to share this with you. Um, I really could see like this counseling gift on you and that um, you just have this ability to really know how to relate to people and that I need to tell you that that's not natural. Like that's a gift from God that he's put on you. And usually um, when somebody has the the gift of a counselor, you know, this is like the seven spirit of spirits of God, you know, Isaiah 11, you know, when somebody has the gift of counsel, that's usually matched with the gift of wisdom, meaning God will give them wisdom to instruct people in their life for how they can move forward or get unstuck um, spiritually or emotionally. Um, usually those two are married together because uh, Jesus is the wonderful counselor. So, so I'm like, I'm saying this to her and then it's just, it just starts unfolding. And uh, she just starts crying. She's like, you're speaking right. And, and I mean, this is probably the most beautiful thing that she said that just stuck with me. She said, you're speaking right to my soul. And when it comes to prophecy, we don't want to impress people. It's not, that's not the goal. If you, if the goal for you is to be impressive, um, you're never really going to hear a word from the Lord. The goal of prophecy is to hear God in a way that changes people's lives, that adds value, meaning, and confirmation to what God is doing in someone. So, you know, um, I could just feel it even as I was prophesying to her that I was speaking to something that God had just put in her, that that maybe she was questioning and doubting. Um, but but in that moment, that was just from this past Friday, but that but that moment confirmed to her and gave her hope not only for her future, but in the very thing that God created her for, man. So um, that's what I'm passionate about. I mean, I'm, uh, Tristan, I'm so passionate about, uh, about people um, identifying their gifts, identifying their calling, um, identifying the, the environment that God wants them in so that they can thrive. God created us to thrive. He said life and life abundant. He didn't just say, oh, you're going to be having a little bit of joy. Oh, no, no. He said it's going to be joy overflowing. It's going to be joy unspeakable. It's going to be peace that surpasses understanding. So like, you know, while we ebb and flow in this life, that is what the Holy Spirit is working us towards. And, and again, there is an optimal environment for every one of us that God is is preparing us for. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I just just share that, man, and just share like there is an impartation. Uh, even the person, there's some guys I'm discipling right now. I'm seeing the prophetic gift activate in their life hmm. as I'm discipling them. And what's funny is that, you know, some of them are like hearing better than me. And I'm like, dang, like, <laughs> why can't I get a word like that, Lord? Why are they getting words like that? So what's funny is like, you know, if you're going to walk in this, you want people to be greater than you. Because what did Jesus say? The works that I do, you're going to do greater. He said, not only you're going to do the works that I do, but you're going to do even greater than I did. So, so just prepare yourself for that. Like if you're being like apostles and prophets, you know, apostolic, they, they can be fathers in that sense spiritually. But the idea is that you want those who you are shepherding, who, who you're discipling to end up greater than you and to go further than you, to do more than you ever could while you're still being faithful and fulfilled in what God's called you to. So Amen. yeah, I just, Release that, man. Release that testimony and that we would see more and more of that from every believer, not just some, not just 
but that you would just believe that God has words for the people that he's strategically placing you around. Mm. Yeah. All right, man. So good. So good. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, man. So uh, you uh, go ahead and just pray a impartation prayer to everybody on the other side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll I'll I, actually, I actually wrote a couple things down here. Sorry if I lost mm. my screen for a minute. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so what I felt to pray for is just that um, the Lord, even as you're watching this, um, that he would just ignite that. He would ignite these gifts in you, whatever they are. If you're called to be an apostle and a prophet, an evangelist, a pastor, a teacher, that as you're listening to this, your heart would burn. So, Father, I just pray for a burning heart upon this future leadership that you're raising up right now. I thank you even for those who are in leadership, but you're not quite in the fullness of what God's called you to, that there would just be an acceleration. I really believe that as we put to death things that are hindering our ministry, things that are hindering our spiritual growth, um, that the Lord is going to accelerate us in our growth. Because it's not about how much time you've been a believer. It's about how much time that's spent with God that causes spiritual promotion, that the Lord would just promote you, that he would surround you with the right people. And I just pray an impartation right now for apostles, for prophets, for evangelists, for pastors, for teachers to be activated. To be activated in the name of Jesus. I call it forth. And even, Father God, um, we just prophesy over the earth that there is going to be apostolic um, five-fold ministry teams that are going to be raised up in this decade and these years to come. And we're going to look back at this podcast on January 9th in the beginning of the year of 2023 and go, wow, God, look what you've done across this nation. Look what you've done across the globe to establish your church in the in the God-ordained leadership structure that you designed. That was your idea. So God, we just pray impartation. I pray for a prophetic impartation. I pray for those who are um, listening to this. Maybe you're not called to be a prophet, but you want to grow in your prophetic gift that you would suddenly begin to receive dreams, that you would suddenly begin to receive visions, that you would um, uh, feel, um, that you would feel, that you would hear, that you would see in the spirit, um, that you would know in your knower, um, that, that all the channels of revelation would be opened in Jesus' name. Every channel of revelation, whoa, yeah, Lord. Yes, God. Yes. Every revelation. Oh, my gosh. Every channel of revelation that the Lord wants to speak to you through, I uncap it now mm -hmm. in Jesus' name. And this is for every believer who Jesus said shed his blood for, every person who Jesus shed his blood for. We just release that right now. And we bind, Lord God, witchcraft. We bind, uh, Father God, satanic activity that's been hindering. I, I break off depression. I pray, you know, um, you know, it was so cool, man. I, I uh, was at a conference in 2019. It was a prophetic conference at Chaos Church. And, you know, there were some angels that the Lord assigned to me. And that's, that's a whole nother thing, man. There's angels <laughs> that are assigned to you in your assignment. Um, so, uh, and I just feel this man, like, um, I was even praying and, and talking with the Lord about this earlier today. And, uh, he just reminded me that to release, you know, these angels from time to time to be on assignment in your life. And, um, there was a message, you know, it was funny. There was a message that I was getting ready to preach. It was like the countdown clock was going on. It was before the conference service was about to get started. And I felt, I felt about, um, 60 to 70 angels walk down the aisles of the church. Yes. 
and just fill up the stage. And uh, I was like, wow, like I just never experienced something like that. But I just felt this procession of about 60 to 70 angels walk um, into the sanctuary and fill up the stage before the preaching started, before the worship started. And I, I asked the Holy Spirit, I was like, Lord, what are these angels? What are they here to do? And the Lord said to me that these were angels of breakthrough. Mm. And I have brought them here to assign them to people's lives who receive the word that's going to go forth. And wouldn't you know it, I didn't know what was going to be preached on, but Sean Bowles got up to preach at that session and he preached a message on breakthrough. What? I had no idea. We didn't know what he was going to talk about. He talked about breakthrough, the entire message. And I saw how it wasn't just about these angels breaking people, breaking people, breaking things off of their life, you know, satanic strongholds, depression, emotional bondage. These angels don't see God doesn't just set us free from something. He sets us free to something. Mm. And the angels uh, were not just there to help deliver. They were there to help um, bring you into the thing that God has for you. So I just release right now, if you're pressing in for something, if you're feeling like you're up against this wall, you're at the gate of your promised land, but you're not sure what it is that's going to take. I just release over you right now, angels of breakthrough mm -hmm. to actually meet you right where you are to break you through, to give you strategy, to give you wisdom. Hallelujah. And I just pray for a revelation of angels and their partnership in your ministry uh, and that God would begin to teach you how to release them in Jesus name. And, and uh, Tristan, I'm even seeing right now an angel of insight coming to you, an angel of insight to give you wisdom around your ministry. There's some things you're trying to figure out. You're trying to figure out how it all comes together. And um, I just feel like the angel, this angel of insight is going to whisper in your ear you're, and he's going to let you know the strategy and Holy Spirit's going to empower you. Holy Spirit is going to equip you. Holy Spirit is going to give you the courage. He's going to give you uh, moral courage. He's going to give you boldness, Tristan, to call on people to do things and to step into it because you can't figure it out all the time on your own. But this angel of insight, he's coming to give you insight. He's coming to give you revelation. Um, about what you are to do and how you're to make these things all fit together um, so that it's exactly what the Lord wants and that it's able to accomplish exactly what the Lord wants. So God, we thank you. I just release that right now. We release angels of breakthrough. Uh, we release angels of insight, Lord God. Angel of, angels of insights are actually with prophets. They will walk with prophets. Um, they will wow. give insight to spiritual uh, uh, realities. Um, so when you're walking as a prophet, we don't just discern, you know, negative things and satanic things. We also can discern angelic things. We can also discern atmospheres and what God wants to release. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so God, we just release that right now yes. in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Woo. Yes. All right, bro. Well, I'm so grateful to have you on. Um, we love you guys and we'll see you next oh. week. Thank you so much for watching. I hope this podcast changed your life today. If it did, put it in the comments. Tell us what you learned, how it helped you. Put amen in the comments. Let's just blow this up and share this with a friend. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button. I love you guys. See you next week.